Hi friends, I'm Rob Tigan. And I'm Joanna. And this is the Growing Home Together podcast. We're caring for the soul of your family, helping you grow closer to God and each other. Thank you for joining us today on the Growing Home Together podcast. In these past months, marriage relationships have taken a beating. It's been shown that filing for divorce has increased by 34% since the start of the pandemic. Couples are tired, stress has pushed them apart, they feel distant from each other, like they're living alone under the same roof. Husbands and wives are asking themselves if it would be easier to just give up and get out of the relationship altogether. Right. So today's guest, Tony Newhoff, knows exactly how that feels. Years ago, she and her husband, Carrie, reached a breaking point in their relationship. And in her latest book, Before You Split, she marks out the path a couple can take to rebuild their marriage and find happiness together. As an author, speaker, and former divorce attorney, she is here to share some powerful words of encouragement with us today. Thank you for being here, Tony, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's such a pleasure to join both of you. And uh, yeah, I'm just grateful to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. And so Joanna gave a little bit of a teaser that you and your husband hit some really hard times in your marriage. Can you give us a little of your background story and what led you to write uh, your book? Sure. Yeah, Carrie and I met in law school uh, many years ago. Um, We uh, we we got together and really it was our first week of law school. We met. Uh, we were married 18 months later. Then we had our first baby. Um, actually, 10 days after my final exam at law school, mm-hmm. and uh, so in a sense we hit the ground running. Carrie discerned a call into ministry and so went to seminary. And then we ended up um, leading churches uh, in our community just north of Toronto. And uh, we have been married for 31 years. But over, I would say about 15 years ago, we hit probably the lowest part of our marriage. Uh, We had a long period of struggle. Uh, We can laugh about it now and say it was the the 10-year argument, Um, (laughs) but it really was just a long, long, vicious cycle of conflict that um, we just couldn't seem to get out of. And it was complicated. We've learned in retrospect there were many reasons for it, Um, but we were, it was such a confusing place to be because we were both wholeheartedly wanting to serve Jesus and um, to make our marriage work and, you know, to, to just be the hands and feet of Jesus. And yet we were so frustrated and confused and um, caught in this cycle of conflict and all these unresolved grievances um, that in life was moving fast. We had uh, both of us were leading outside of our home and it was it was a tough tough period by the grace of god we we did get through it and now we're in a marriage that is so so different from where we were like now we would say we're in the marriage of uh our dreams literally it exceeds any of the expectations we would have had on our wedding day and so through that experience and also because i worked with people who were divorcing who were not everyone Uh, went through this experience, but some people 
uh, went through their whole divorce and then had some regrets and realized that they it wasn't what they thought it would be and, and there was pain on the other side. And I, I wanted to help people who are in that same position that I was in when we were so confused and hurt and weighed down with the struggles in our marriage. Um, I wanted people to see their options more clearly and also consider some possible solutions that might set their marriage on a different path. That's so good. Um, well, Rob and I really were encouraged reading your book for ourselves. And, you know, you said something in the book that really got my attention. Uh, you said that most of us think about marriage as having one of two options. We can either stay or we leave. <laughs> but you mm. present a list of three options that couples actually choose from when they're unhappy together. Could you explain those to us? Yes. I, I talk about split, survive, and save. Uh, because I think it's clarifying to include that option that we don't normally talk about, the surviving mm -hmm. option. Because the reality is that we find ourselves there. like, and, and I would say in many marriages, at some point, people are holding on to their marriage, but in, in survival mode, you're staying together in your marriage, but emotionally disconnected. Mm -hmm. And that feeling of being disconnected is actually something that keeps coming up when I've surveyed groups that I'm going to present uh, a marriage talk to. Uh, one of the issues that keeps rising to the top is feeling disconnected. And in a, in a couple of groups that I've uh, that I've surveyed, the reality is that people in one case were giving their marriage uh, a rating of on average C plus. In the other group, it was a 5.5 out of 10. And these are church groups. And so I, I, I think talking about surviving is helpful because, you know, Carrie and I went through a long period of surviving in our marriage. That's the reality. We weren't connected. At, at one point, I didn't even want to be in the same room with Carrie. Um, but if we can start to realize honestly where we're at, it means that you can you can look at a plan. You can look at how to move forward. There are things that you can do to rebuild that bond when, when you've lost your connection. And that's what I want to highlight by noting that there really are three options. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, and... And to that point, it, you mentioned that when a couple is is just in that survival mode and they're they're unhappy in their marriage, there's a lot there's an uh, good odds that they've um, dragged in some mud into their relationship from the past, and they are believing a lie uh, that's distorting their view of their spouse. So, can you tell us what kind of lie or lies you were believing about your spouse, or your husband, and your marriage, and how you replace that with with truth? Yeah, I love that question, Rob. I, I might put a little twist on it. Sure. Uh, that when I um, when I when I wrote the chapter on lies, I call it mud. You know, there's mm -hmm. mud that we drag into our marriage, and it may stay in our present, but it doesn't have to ruin the future. Uh, I, I'm uh, for for me, I tell my story, my own story of mud, the the trauma that I brought into our marriage without knowing it mm -hmm. and how it was showing up. So just in, in really briefly, 
when I was growing up, I had, um, I, I had a lot of anger and one of my parents was, um, had a, a serious alcohol problem. And so there were trauma, traumatic effects that I really didn't pay attention to, uh, didn't know was there. I was married, um, in my later twenties. And even at that point, I did, had no clue really that there was anything, um, that I was bringing into our marriage, uh, along the lines of wounds or baggage. And it was only several years later that I started to see some clues and, uh, and then realized that there's something there. And, uh, in my case, one, uh, there were a few lies that I grew up believing. Uh, and I think that these, it's reasonable to say that, um, I think the enemy has a role in, in planting some beliefs like self-limiting beliefs that sure. aren't true when, when we're hurt as children and we don't have someone who's there and ready to speak God's truth into our lives. And so I, I grew up with this hidden belief that it took quite some amount of work and effort in terms of personal growth to uncover that I'm better off alone. Mm -hmm. So in other words, I'm, I'm not going to rely on anyone else for what I need. Uh, and that meant that uh, in, there were ways that I was withdrawing from Carrie or disengaging and sometimes even stonewalling during our conflict. And, and those behaviors were just an outcropping of this hidden belief that, you know, I need to be self-sufficient, that I, I'm the only one that I can depend on. I can't trust anyone else. And it showed up not only in our marriage, but, but also in other relationships that I think support a marriage, like in close friendships, you should be able to trust and be vulnerable and get wise advice from your friends. Um, but I had a tendency to, to skim and stay on the surface in, even with my friendships. And it, it all came back to that deeply embedded lie that, uh, I really needed exposed and, and by the grace of God, he did expose it to me so I, I could see what was going on. And in the end, I had to replace it with something that was true. So the, the truth that I hold on to now is that I need to rely on God and others to be fully alive. Mm. That's a, that is a beautiful truth, isn't it? And that's mm. what makes our marriages sing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I do think in marriage that we act out a lot on our pain and we hurt each other with our choices and our words and we we lay blame and we find fault with everything that our partner is doing and like you described in your marriage uh, those years ago it can feel like you're in a constant state of conflict uh, so when mm -hmm. we do get caught in that cycle how can a couple start to fight for uh, we instead of me hmm that's a such a, an important question uh, because I know from my experience with Carrie that we would get into, you know, discussing a parenting issue, for example, and Carrie would have one position and one solution and I would have another and, and we would argue over it as if we were trying to persuade or influence or sometimes even manipulate the other person to our own point of view. 
And what I'd like to remind people of is that that approach in marriage is only destructive. It only pulls you apart. And if you can remember this, um, if I win, we lose. Like when we argue that way and <clears throat> pardon me, our sole objective is to, to get our spouse to admit that they're wrong, to agree that I'm the one who's right, I have the best solution, um, then if I win, we lose. Because that kind of arguing doesn't do anything to build your bond. It, it does a lot to separate the two of you. And, and the question really is then how can we win? Like, how can we find a solution that both of us can live with? Maybe not the ideal solution, might not be my ideal solution or Carrie's ideal. Um, but how can we find a solution that we both can live with and elevate the value of that solution in our minds because it helps build unity? So it's the, it's the unifying aspect of that solution that may look like a compromise. It may look like it's less than your ideal, um, but fine. So be it, let it be less than ideal, but, but value it more because of the impact it has on bringing you together. Mm, right. That is really good. Um, yeah, I wrote that down. If I win, we lose. I need to remember that many times. In our, I, I don't know. You know, it depends on how competitive you are sometimes. You know, and you think, okay, I need to. So, so I, I need to remember that, uh, that we both lose even if I win, win, right, Joanna? So, but yeah, Joanna mentions that, you know, talks about that pain and that feeling in your marriage. Um, and in your book, you talk a lot about forgiveness and how we take steps in forgiveness. What are those steps um, that couples can take to move towards each other? Oh, forgiveness is so important. And I think that it's one of those areas that we don't talk about enough. You know, even I, I think in um, premarital counseling, we don't necessarily dig into uh, how it is that each of us receives a an apology, um, because there's some some work done by um, Dr. Gary Chapman and uh, Dr. Jennifer Thomas. Uh, they wrote a book together called When Sorry Isn't Enough, mm -hmm. and they point out that people have different ways of receiving apologies. You know, and for, for one person, it might be that those uh, uh, meaningful words of apologizing are impactful but for someone else it might be that uh, they they're looking for some evidence that the person is going to make a change and for someone else it might be restitution maybe in the form of a gift so there's you know there are different ways that we each receive apologies um, it's similar to the five love languages they identify five apology languages mm -hmm. um, so I think having that insight helps um, I also talk about just the the general idea of creating a practice of forgiveness in your marriage uh, and using it so I, I talk about it as uh, as imagine building stone steps you know those ancient stone steps that you might walk over to get to a, an old cathedral or a mansion or some ancient building. Mm -hmm. And they have three basic ingredients. And the one is stones. 
the other is mortar and the other is water. And so if we let the stones represent justice, and by justice, I mean that we can't, when we, when we embark on conversations that have to do with forgiving each other, we can't ignore the, the facts of what actually happened and the hurt that is there and the feelings that are there. So, you know, when I talk about forgiveness, I'm not talking about throwing it all aside and, and sort of ignoring or denying what happened. We really need to actually have a conversation and or more than one. And then the mortar is the mercy. It's the lens through which I view my spouse, uh, recognizing that they're a mixture, that we're all a mixture of brokenness and virtue. And uh, I have to be able to see my spouse that way. And I also need to have humility. And so humility is represented by the water, the third essential ingredient for our steps. Um, humility allows me to look at myself to even face the personal pain of owning up to what I did, what I said, my role in whatever happened. And I like the imagery of actually building stone steps, um, because if you imagine having stones, mortar, water, you're going to mix it together, you're going to craft these steps, it's messy, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Before you have those steps built, you are going to have a mess on your hands. And going through those conversations can really feel messy. But once you make the effort and you go through and you combine your conversations about what actually happened and the feelings attached to it and work on seeing your spouse through eyes of mercy, work on seeing yourself um, with humility and build those steps and then actually use them so you create a, a habit and a practice of forgiving each other in your marriage, then over time you create these steps that you can just walk over and they take you to a better place in your marriage. They'll take you to higher ground. Hey there, friends. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but I'm excited to tell you about a wonderful marriage resource that Rob and Joanna have for you. Rob and Joanna Tigan have been married for almost 30 years and have experienced every kind of high and low in their life together. But if they had to name the biggest lesson they've ever learned as a married couple, it's that a close relationship with God helps them have a close relationship with each other. And on the flip side, if they move farther away from God, they are sure to experience a growing distance from each other too. That's why they are so passionate to help couples draw closer to God and each other every day. Rob and Joanna have created a powerful tool for you to use in your marriage. It's called Mr. and Mrs. 366 Devotions for Couples. This gorgeous book gives you an inspiring scripture, a word of teaching and encouragement, and a prayer to lift up together every day of the year. The daily topics cover every part of your life together, whether it's financial or parenting stress, conflict or communication, or the intimacy and oneness you're longing to grow between you. Now today you may be feeling distant or discouraged. Maybe your faith has been tested by the stress of this past year, or maybe you're feeling lonely and unsupported in your relationship. It's incredible how connecting with God and each other through a daily devotional can transform your marriage and give you hope. You can find Mr. and Mrs. 366 Devotions for Couples at growinghometogether.com or wherever books are sold. Check out the link in the show notes for easy access to the book on Amazon. Now, back to the show. I, uh, you know, I remember early on in, in our marriage, 
um, when Joanna and I would get in some of those fights, I tend to be a people pleaser. And so um, I would, I would very quickly say, I'm sorry, or apologize to Joanna when we would get in a disagreement or whatever. But she would start asking me, what are you sorry for? What do you, you know, and it would always uh, catch Mm. me off guard because I'd be like, okay, maybe I wasn't really listening. Maybe I was just trying to get through this. And so we didn't really, (laughs) really um, process. And so that she kind of started uh, in a nice way training me um, as I was thinking through like, okay, when I come to say, I'm sorry, what am I sorry for? And, and like you said, to really open up the communication um, and be willing to forgive, but being willing to uh, understand maybe where that hurt came from too. So that's, those are great uh, practical steps to help us walk through forgiveness. I mean, I think that's a skill that all of us have to learn. I mean, the Bible says that if we confess our sins to one another, we experience healing. And in our marriage, it's that very open, honest, humble confession that really, like you're saying, Tony, moves us forward. So I think I think that was a lesson that we both had to learn, Rob. <laughs> mm. And yes, I think it's common for us to go through our childhood years, and um, maybe we were raised by parents who tended to sweep things under the rug and, you know, not deal with them. Just, you know, that's done with now. We're not going to have a conversation. You know, maybe we really didn't witness good conversations, meaningful conversations um, having to do with apologies and forgiveness. And so it might be a steep learning curve, but it's so worthwhile. And I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, kind of down another track. I think that right now, everybody listening is aware that anxiety and depression are epidemic in these difficult times. And I think for a lot of couples, they feel like their spouse just isn't there for them while they're suffering from painful emotions. And like you were describing, Tony, they feel lonely or disconnected. But you say that it is absolutely possible to move closer together instead of just choosing to move on. So what makes you say that? Well, there, first of all, I would say my, my personal experience, but not just mine. I know there are other couples who have gone through really rough times and have been able to uh, bridge the gap and move close together and um, re- resolve their problems. Uh, there, there are specific ways that you can do it. So I'd love to focus there. Uh, that if you've been in a season where you, you're just not feeling connected, you've drifted apart, try, try some shared experiences because sharing experiences together, uh, it, it builds intimacy. And there is some research to show that the type of activities you, you choose to share uh, matters. And so if you choose to do something that both of you are interested in, that is novel or exciting, it's new, it either fits into one of those two categories, it's new to both of you, or it's exciting to both of you. And uh, I think it's helpful to maybe, you know, write down a list of 20 things that you would both be interested in doing that are within your means, totally realistic in, in, in the perspective of your context, your circumstances, and and just pick a few that overlap on your lists. And they don't have to be 
um, mind-blowing, adrenaline-producing experiences. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. You don't have to go out and bungee jump. Uh, although you could. <laughs> if that's your thing, then do it. Um, but it could be as simple as you want to try learning a new language together. Uh, you enjoy hiking and you want to try some new trails. Uh, you go off and visit a couple of tourist places that neither of you have seen for a long time. Like just something that has an aspect of growth uh, to it. If you do that for 90 minutes a week for four weeks in a row, um, there's a study where they showed that the the connection, that that feeling of being connected and satisfied mm. in in marriage was was noticeably like measurably better after couples did that for four weeks. So that's my challenge is to try some shared experiences, um, but not the ones that maybe leave you feeling a bit bored or, you know, the ones that you've been doing over and over again. Uh, absolutely. I want people to have date nights. And so whatever kind of date night you can arrange, you know, I would say yes, for sure. You need to spend time together. But adding that extra element of newness or something that grows your experiences together um, can really be helpful. That's great. Yeah, that's uh, that's a helpful, practical uh, thing that couples can do to start um, bringing. And, you, and that's what I love about your book is um, you do give some examples like that, like how people can start moving forward and you know, I think I'm sure there are some some husbands and wives who are are hearing this today, and they want to take steps towards their spouse, um, but taking those steps can towards kindness and love can feel really risky and uh, make them feel way too vulnerable. And so maybe um, they're not at that point where they even you know want to start making that list of things to do. They're just trying to figure out how do I move towards my spouse. What would you tell that person? Yeah, it's it's such a, a a tough place to be when you are both disappointed with each other. Let's say you're both feeling those layers of hurt and the potential for rejection, um, maybe the fear of abandonment or the you know the that hard feelings of loneliness. Um, it's it's difficult to take the first step because your trust has been eroded. So neither of you are really trusting that the other person is going to reciprocate or that you won't end up just feeling humiliated by your spouse's response to you reaching out. Um, I, I guess my, uh, my answer to that rests on one of the Psalms that I absolutely love. Uh, it's Psalm 126 verse 6. Mm. And it's the promise of the harvest. So in a nutshell, I think if, if you don't like the harvest you're getting in your marriage, then plant new seeds. Mm. But sometimes you need to plant the seeds while you have that internal resistance, you know, while you are grieving. Uh, and the psalm itself says this. It says, those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. And so I, I love this psalm so much because the, the protagonist, the farmer, is going out to the field weeping, carrying the seeds but weeping, mm. and then returns in the future with uh, not only with the abundance, that abundance of the harvest uh, represented by the sheaves, but also with songs of joy. 
And I believe that's God's promise to us that uh, when we plant seeds of love, then we're planting for a future harvest. Uh, and I think the principle of the harvest is true. You you reap what you sow. So if you if you sow discord, you're going to reap chaos. You know, if you sow resentment and distrust, uh, you're going to reap strife. But if you sow seeds of love and kindness, then you're not going to see the harvest right now. You won't see it eventually, or you mm. won't see it immediately. Right. Um, but you will receive a harvest uh, in the future. Uh, and so it's this whole idea that um, you can actually do something small to show love to your spouse. You, you can take that risk. Uh, and it takes tenacity. It takes, uh, I think, leaning on the, the love of Christ uh, to give you the, the power to move through that internal resistance. Um, but focusing your eyes on the promise that you will receive a reward from God if you plant seeds of love. You don't know exactly what that reward is going to look like, uh, and that's okay, but you will be rewarded for just for showing love. And it might be as simple as if your spouse's love language is acts of service, maybe you sweep out the garage or <laughs> you do something yeah. that your spouse would be surprised at. Like, wow, I haven't seen you do that in 10 years. <laughs> and they might react by being skeptical at the beginning. They might, um, they might not trust that you're going to keep doing kind things. Uh, and that's okay because your your sights aren't focused on this immediate reaction. I would say you, you definitely don't want to apply this principle in a situation of uh, where someone's unsafe. I just want to put that in as a side note that if you if you're facing you know violence or uh, abuse and it's consistent and you're really being harmed in your marriage. The, then, you know, you, you still want to live out of the love of God, but you need to talk to somebody who's safe um, so that you can make a plan together. But aside from that, where you're struggling in a marriage with unhappiness and, and the conflict is mutual, then, uh, and many couples are in that situation, that's the situation Carrie and I were in, uh, then yeah, even though it feels risky to be the one to put yourself out there and take that first step, God blesses it. Right. And, you know, taking those steps toward our spouse, um, it can feel like a lot. It can feel overwhelming. We don't always know where to start. But you make a really excellent point in the book that uh, we're not designed to grow a strong and happy marriage all by ourself. Um, and you say that it is important to connect with other people who want your marriage to win. So how did you experience that in your marriage with Carrie? We were blessed at that time when Carrie and I were struggling so deeply uh, to have small group, a small group around us. And not too many people knew how much we were struggling. We really didn't share it. Uh, we were really working on getting through it. Um, but we had a Christian counselor 
we were both working with individually and together. And we had some, uh, a couple of couples we were close to who uh, I would, you know, sometimes get together um, with one of my friends and I would be able to vent and it was safe. And we would get together sometimes as, as a couple and, and we would be able to pray together with them and they would pray for us and they would encourage us in the tough times. They would say things like, I know you guys can make it. You can get through this. And it was, it was a lifeline at the time. Wow. Yeah, that's great. And I, I, you've given us just so much, um, hope today, Tony. And I think, um, God is going to really use this book uh, to rescue a lot of marriages and and help a lot of people um, find find their happiness together again um, through through the the struggles of of marriage and things. So I want to thank you f- for that. And um, I was just wondering if you'd be willing to pray for those listening today who might be struggling and need a word of encouragement. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you that uh, you have not left us alone, Uh, Lord Jesus, that you came to offer a new way for us uh, to bring your love, um, to bring forgiveness, uh, to share your mercy with us, your amazing grace. And I just pray that um, for all of us, that you would uh, pour out your healing love, your saving love, um, the power of your resurrection into our lives individually. Draw us closer to you. God, I pray that you would shine your light into our lives and expose any darkness that is operating uh, without us knowing it. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would guide us by the power of your spirit um, to have healing conversations that are real and meaningful. And and Lord, I just pray that you would bring people around us, other brothers and sisters in Christ, who can be an encouragement, who will speak wisdom into our lives. Lord, help us to, to open up and to be Uh, honest about what our marriage is really like right now so that others can offer us help. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would lead each one of us deeper into Christ, that you would lead us uh, to experience your healing touch in our marriages, um, that you would show each one of us that pathway that leads us back to each other. And uh, God, I just thank you that you do give us the promise of the harvest. And uh, I pray that you would uh, give us your love and peace and joy in our marriages. Thank you for the gift of your love. Thank you for the gift of each other. And, uh, and I just thank you for Rob and Joanna's ministry and um, pray that you would continue to use their um, faithfulness and these conversations um, to bring healing for, um, for marriages and for families. And I pray all of this in your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Um, well, Tony, your, your book is an amazing tool for any couple, really no matter where they are at with each other. Uh, could you tell us where our listeners can find your book and also connect with you online? 
Sure. I think searching before you split would lead to my book. It's available in all the normal places. And I have a website uh, under my name, tonynewhoff.com. Uh, that's T-O-N-I-N-I-E-U-W-H-O-F.com. And I'm also on social outlets um, under my same name, Tony Newhoff, Instagram and Facebook. And uh, I would love to hear from anyone who has questions or wants to reach out. Yes, and you have a great uh, podcast as well. What's the name of your podcast? It's the Smart Family Podcast. Awesome. Yeah, and thank you for that, Rob. We're um, we're excited by the conversations we've been able to have. Yeah, that would be great for people to check that out. So, um, yes, thank you so much for joining us today, Tony. It has been a great uh, time, and thank you for sharing your time with us on this podcast. That's so much a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. And thank you, friends, for joining us here at the Growing Home Together podcast. We'd love to uh, connect with you as well on our website, growinghometogether.com, to connect with you, uh, to pray with you, to give you some great free resources for your family. At Growing Home Together, we're caring for the soul of your family. And we're growing home together with you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.